Welcome to Bootstrapped. I'm Ian Landsman from Userscape, and I'm here as always with Andre Butov from Antair. Uh, how are you today, Andre? Good. I'm good. This is a this is a Userscape day. You guys have launched. You launched everything. Everything has been launched. <laughs> it's been a crazy couple of weeks. <laughs> Congratulations to uh, the Userscape guys, Taylor and and Eric and you and your wife and everybody for uh, Snappy, besnappy.com. Thank with, you, sir. With, with your one price plan because apparently you guys are not smart enough to come up with the three or five necessary <laughs> for a SAS app. I know. We're, we're already doing it wrong. <laughs> We're already doing it wrong. So how how goes it on your Good. first few days? So well, right, so we missed uh, last week. So we have two weeks of stuff to catch up on. So last Tuesday uh, we released um, Laravel, which you know obviously it's mostly Tar- Taylor released Laravel, but uh, you know we have we're involved a little bit as well and uh, just helping with the uh, just responding to people even and stuff like that. So there was a lot of craziness last Tuesday, and then. Um, this Tuesday, about an hour ago, we opened the door on Snappy, and uh, so far, so good. So, I mean, you know, it's always tricky with these things to keep perspective that, like, it's not about one day, and we didn't do, you know, we didn't have any ads set up, or we didn't have really anything special set up at all. Um, the only things I've done are tweet about it, and uh, I emailed all the people who had been in the beta group uh, just to let them know we were live and uh, just remind them to check it out if they hadn't been in there in a few months since it's been in beta for, you know, probably four months or whatever. So um, <clears throat> remind people to check it out if they haven't in a while since we've changed quite a bit over the last few months. I didn't get that email. Liar. You didn't? No. You should have. I know. Uh-oh. I did. I wonder if it went to your spam. Uh-oh. Oh, well, I got to check it out. Or maybe nobody got it. <laughs> I hope not. I see people clicking through from it, so somebody got it, but I don't know. It's through Campaign Monitor. They might tier them because it was a fair number. I think it was like 1,600. I don't know if they released them all at once or not. I would think that many they would release pretty quickly, but maybe I'm not not special. Uh, Maybe I deleted you out of there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not special Uh, enough. All right. All right. So, yeah. So, um, it's going good. I mean, uh, the last week we we turned on the billing stuff like a week ago. Also, just kind of hidden, um, like you, it, it was there in a navigation menu, but it didn't highlight that you were on a trial, and uh, you know we didn't really tell anybody. So we already had gotten a few sales from that, a few small sales, which is great. You know, a few dollars in the bank. Jamie's looking forward to removing that zero from our snappy line in our uh, quickbooks file so yeah it's nice to get up off the mat there and uh and for the first time in userscape history next month won't start with the zero i know (laughs) (laughs) that's gonna be exciting you've been looking forward to that for like eight years i really have been and (laughs) it's now we see though what i have to do is you know so we basically have two different back offices you know one for help spot and one for snappy so right, right. i need to build the unified one so that there truly is no zero because right now there'll be there'll still be a zero in the help spot one until till we get that first, first sale but yes it will be nice knowing there's at least some quasi regular income so we'll see you know that's the thing with the SaaS stuff though is it takes a while like so that's what to like I just try to emphasize is 
that it's a long-term kind of thing. So, you know, it's just going to be over a year, years as it builds up to where, you know, what HelpSpot does. Um, and HelpSpot, you know, kind of cheats because it gets it, you know, it gets all its money up front essentially and then just has some recurring revenue with support. So, you know, when you're charging $15 at a time or $30 at a time, it takes a lot longer to build up. But, uh, right, yeah, right. I think it's good. And I think, uh, you know, it's going to... Um, just by the the initial people who did purchase and some of the feedback, you know, I think it is going to reach a market of folks who help spot doesn't serve, which mm-hmm. is important that we don't have two things that are, you know, a hundred percent identical. Um, obviously there's overlap, but we definitely don't want them to be, uh, to be identical. So I, I think it does that. And, um, we had our first price complaint on Twitter, so I took that as a good <laughs> sign that we, we weren't priced too cheaply. And we also got our first price compliment, uh, so we'll see how it all goes. Uh, that'll be fun to kind of play with that a little bit. It's a lot easier in this to maybe try some different pricing and things, so we'll we'll see how that goes. Who was that? And Eric, was that Eric Sink's advice back in the day that, you know, you got the right price when you get just the right number of complaints? Yep, exactly. Yeah, he was like, if nobody's complaining, then you know your pricing is not right. So, uh, so that was good. But you know, I think you touched on the pricing when we started. But basically, it's just one plan. It's twenty dollars a user a month, and it's uh, basically unlimited everything. um, And you know, there's no different tiers or anything like that. And you know, I just wanted to keep it simple. I mean, I went back and forth. At one point, we did have we're going to have tiers and and this and that. But I felt like the product. Like if we can't say that it's all about simplicity and then have this crazy like five tiers of, you know, you got to compare across all these different options. And I just think it'll be nice when customers check out Snappy and they check out Zendesk and Desk.com and Freshdesk and all these different competitors that, Mm -hmm. you know, those guys all have, you know, all those different tiers and it's not clear what you're getting. You got to figure out what's what, you know, oh, Snappy, this is very clear what it costs. And so... And I, I, uh, I was going to do it a little bit less expensive, but I decided kind of at the last minute to make it a little bit more expensive because I figured it'd be easier to go down. And uh, why not? So we'll start <laughs> the higher. You guys are going to start a trend. Like uh, Thirty Seven Signals started that whole you know five pillars of pricing right, uh, right. trend, and you guys are going to start the single pillar. Single pricing trend. And all the SaaS apps will copy it. I'm going to get Uber Deck and <laughs> copy that exact thing right there. Yeah. Well, you know, it's one of those things too. It's a little bit deceiving because um, unlike other apps, it's it's a single tier, but it can still get expensive because it's per user still. So, right. you know, if you have five users, it's still going to be $100 a month. Um, so that's where too, when you get into tiers and then it's per user with tiers, you end up having to do like some actual math at that point to figure out how much things are going to cost you and everything. So uh, that was also why, um, you know, we just figured keep it simple. $20 makes it easy math. Uh, but I mean, it feels, um, it feels like the right basket to me because look, if you have five people that are allocated in your company to do support, if you're at that level, a hundred right. bucks a month doesn't feel like too much. Right. To exactly. On, so. And if you're one person, you know, 20 bucks, you know, to me, that's going to gonna filter out the total, like, you know, I don't, I'm not really doing anything. 
and I'm just poking around and I'm probably going to send you a lot of harassing support and, <laughs> you know, cause I'm just spending $5 a month on this. So, you know, 20 bucks is like, all right, I'm going to think about 20 bucks, but at the same time, if I'm selling even, you know, not a full-time jobs amount of money of, of product, but let's say I make $20,000 a year mm-hmm. in, you know, a little product I have on the side, then 20 bucks a month to organize my support is, you know, not an unreasonable cost there. So, um, yeah, so we'll see. Hopefully, uh, hopefully that's the case. Yeah, good. So congratulations. Any hiccups? Um, uh, nothing crazy so far, uh, with it, with the app itself, it's been fine. I mean, I think there might've been uh, one bug report so far in the app itself that somebody found nothing insane. Uh, the homepage had, uh, uh, some CSS weirdness, which you reported one. Thank you. And, uh, that, that one is the most prominent. We've gotten a lot of reports on that with, uh, the, there's some um, social proof of quotes from people about Snappy that didn't line up correctly in some browsers. So Eric's actually working on that right now to get that fixed. And uh, I think uh, the homepage in general, the way I, there's some stuff I don't love about the homepage, but we just need to release it. And obviously we can iterate over time on right. it and right. try different right. things. And that's a nice thing too. I wanted to go with, you know, it's very simple. Like all the information is just on the homepage. There's a pricing page. And that's pretty much all the pages outside of like terms of service and stuff like that. So um, it should be pretty easy to maintain and change and try different things with, which, you know, with help spots, a lot more sophisticated and it's more towards enterprise customers. So we have like, you know, five tour pages and we have article pages and we have the homepage and pricing page. And, you know, it's a, a big website that is a total pain in the ass to manage and update and keep up to date and all that stuff so uh that's another kind of lots of stuff about snappy is a trial so that's another thing that's a trial is trying to sell this kind of product with just basically a one page two page website so we'll we'll see how that goes too and the help spot site yeah that's like the third or fourth iteration of it i remember when i was doing the second or third iteration of the Antero site i built it off of like the structure of the first help spot Right, which is it was really text heavy. Yeah. So the Ontario.com turned out to be really text heavy, but I think it kind of helped us because we were able to like sell a lot of uh, like spam filters that people were searching for who otherwise would have gone to like the App Store or something. And instead, because we were so text heavy and ingrained in Google for so many years that right. all of all of that Ontario stuff just popped up all over the place when you search for relative terms. Yeah. No, I think. That's that's all you know. It's funny how that stuff has all changed. It's gone from like those more text-heavy websites to like now it's all image-focused and like a couple words about each thing and draw. And you know, I think SaaS has a lot to do with that because it's all about just drive them into the app and get them using it, as opposed right. to convincing them to use the app and then having them use it. So. You know, that's all experiment. I mean, the, the helpspot.com is actually being redesigned right now, also. So <clears throat> that'll have a new look pretty soon here um, you guys are gonna have to hire full-time designers soon i know i would love a full-time i think that before like we'll probably do that you know at some point here i mean not the next hire but if if snappy does well at all that would definitely be one of the first uh additions because now with like the two products and emails and websites and just everything like we could definitely keep at least like a solid like part-timer I think mm-hmm. that would be perfect because I don't I don't know if we have forty hours uh, you know a week of work, but I think that it would be great to have a like a 
20 hours a week. They're in the chat room with us. They know everything about our products. You know, right, 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 that's right. always the problem with the outsourcing it. They don't know anything about the products and you try to bring them up to speed, but I mean, you can only do so much. And so you end up having to tweak a lot of what they give you just because it's not, you know, really tailored to the product exactly. So uh, it would certainly be awesome to have somebody just at Userscape who did that, but we'll see. It's good. It's going to be good to hear like the progress of this thing, having uh, witnessed the launch of it. You know, usually you kind of join the story in the middle right. or in Antares case, like way past the end. Right. But <laughs> but with this, you kind of, uh, you're there for the beginning and get to see the iteration of the the app. Yeah, no, be exciting. it'll be cool too that we have this podcast now. So I'm pretty excited about that we decided to do this because I think it'll be cool that we got to do some shows, you know, before it. And right. um, then obviously through the launch here and over time and things we try and how it goes. And if it fails, that will at least be interesting from a show perspective. And if it <laughs> succeeds, that'll also be interesting. So I think uh, that'll be fun. And then, you know, in a couple months or weeks or whatever it is here, Uber deck will come out and we'll have that same kind of cycle with you as well. So I think, you know, we thought about that a little bit before we started this, but I think that we'll have a lot of uh, similar challenges and things. So there'll be a lot of stuff to discuss. Yep. Now, uh, Snappy is on Laravel 3 still? Nope, it's on 4. Oh, you guys yep. are killing me. Yep. Yeah, so that was <laughs> so we started on Laravel 3, and then, uh, so like I said last week, Laravel 4 came out, and 4 is a radical shift uh, in, you know, so Laravel is a PHP framework for everybody who doesn't know, and Taylor Otwell, who built it, works uh, with us at Userscape. And so, yeah, so 4 came out last week, and it's, you know, taking over everything by storm. So it's doing, doing really well and people love it. And so, yeah, about like two or three, I guess three months ago, maybe or something like that. I was like, all right, Taylor, we have to upgrade. And he was like, well, we can kind of run on three for a while, but I was like, no, we have, to, we have, we have to run our own app on four. So, right. Cause you're like, this is like flagship commercial product of Laravel now, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. You know, certainly I would think the most advanced or one of the most advanced, you know, Laravel four applications. So, um, so yeah, so we upgraded it, which took, you know, it's nice that Taylor works with us. So, uh, you know, that, that certainly helped, but yeah, it took him like a week or something like that, a little over a week and we got it upgraded and yeah, so it's, uh, it's on four, which is great because as he's been adding stuff, we've been folding that in and, uh, so we're on the latest and greatest. Uberdeck is still on three and I don't want to switch to four cause that would mean a significant, in terms of, you know, how tight my days are, a right. significant percentage of my time spent on like yeah. no additional functionality just in turn kind of like uh, refactoring before i even launched seems right. to be a bad idea yeah um, no I, I would absolutely agree like i don't think there's in your case there's nothing to really be gained by you know changing it you're already got it working it's already doing what it needs to do so i think that definitely that would be the way to go is just to to stay with three, which is still going to be um, supported, and you know he's still doing bug fixes and all that stuff. So, I went to the Laravel website after four came out, and everything's changed, right? The, right. the UI is all changed, yeah. and and I'm like, where are the docs? I got to see where the docs are. And I looked at the docs, and of course the docs are all version four. And I'm like, oh shit! Right. So, <laughs> so then I, I I'm thinking, nah, Taylor's Taylor smart. So I went and I looked at the the download directory of my uh, Laravel three, and of course the docs are all built in there. So yeah, they're all in place. And I think if I could, let me just 
check quick. Um, let me just one second. And this yeah. happens all yeah. the time that during the course of uh, you know since I started working at Laravel, uh, every time I kind of I need to implement this. I wonder if it has it, and then you realize that. Taylor's thought of it like right. months ago and it's already in there like in a more polished way than, than you, could, you could want. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, so it also to, just so you're aware, um, if you go to three spelled out uh, dot laravel.com, the docs are there too. Oh, subdomain? So yeah, so if you go to the, the word three dot laravel.com and uh, the laravel oh, three docs are there, just in yeah. case you need it on the go or anything like that. Yeah, plus I think they're on GitHub or whatever, right? Yeah, I'm sure they're up on, on GitHub there too right. in the repo. Good. Yes. Um, what else? What else? What else? Right. We have like at least six people who've asked to be guests or co-hosts or whatever we want to call <laughs> them of this show. And uh, so next week, if all goes well, uh, if if the you know the biggest thing is scheduling between the people, right? Because we're yeah. all superstar busy developers. Um, so the biggest thing is scheduling, and if we get everybody scheduled, uh, we'll have um, uh, Carl from uh, DNL Omnimedia, which is a, a consulting company, so yep. consulting software company, and your cousin. That's right. Um, and keep, uh, keep it in the family for the first guest show. And my my client for the yep. past year. Uh, so they they run a successful bootstrapped consulting software company um, with uh, employees and all that and he's going to be on and and Chris Hawkins um, will be on he's a um, he's also a consultant software company has been running it for a decade now also successfully and so both those guys will be on to talk about the uh, does bootstrapping apply to consulting? I guess it does, right? You just kind I mean, of take a different route. Yeah, I guess. I guess it does, right? I mean, I mean, I think I don't know if the term technically applies, but I think the concept of what you do to get started totally applies, right? Because nobody's given VC money to start, you know, consulting firms. So I think, but what it takes to get started, and at least a fair number of the same challenges are there, I'm sure. So right. So both those guys will be on. We're going to talk to them about running a uh, successful. Uh, bootstrapped consulting software company. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I mean, especially, you know, uh, DNL started about the same time as Userscape, maybe just a little bit after. And um, and Chris Hawking, I mean, I was reading his blog well before Userscape started and he was uh, one of my inspirations. So it'll be good to have him on. Yep, 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 yep. And a little, little change of pace for the listeners. So something yeah. different, which will be nice. Uh, what else? What else? What we, else? I, I also wanted to mention that mm-hmm. uh, to let the the audience uh, know that we are also trying another experiment, which is that we are actually recording this on three o'clock ish on Tuesdays now, as opposed to nine o'clock on Sunday night. So, oh man, we Andre. Uh, I just knocked Andre off his chair with that. So, no, no, uh, <laughs> my headphones. Uh, it's hot in here. I'm dying. Oh, this stop like it! Ninety degrees, and I had to turn off for you, for the audience. I had to turn off the air conditioner because it was humming in the background. We yeah, we're doing we're doing a Tuesday. What's today? Tuesday. Yeah. So we're gonna try being awake for the show. So we'll be interesting to see if that Tuesday. improves or or hurts the show. So we'll see. Sunday nights turned out to be uh, harder than anticipated with the various babies running around trying to sleep and uh, right. us being tired. And uh, yeah. So we're going to try daytime. 
yeah. I think it'll be good. What else? What else? What else? We got a ton of like topics for conversations. I haven't put them in order. Oh, Uberdeck. So um, I haven't done any work on Uberdeck, which is really bad, but right. I'm not being lazy. I'm literally <laughs> swamped with work. Uh, the client work is going over a bit. And uh, Ian, uh, Ian, shit. Ethan. Uh, <laughs> I do that all the time with Taylor and, and Tyler. Tyler. Yeah. Um, Ethan, uh, as he turned one, uh, something switched and he put in some kind of super duper rechargeable batteries in his behind. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and now he's, uh, he's like the Tasmanian devil. And it's, it's, it's taking a lot out of us just keeping up with him the whole day. So because of that, my time has like shrunk to a quote. I, you know, there was, there was a, a quote, a funny quote from Code Rush where the guy comes into the office and says, uh, m- my job is now three times harder than it was yesterday and it was already 10 times harder than it should have been. Right. <laughs> and uh, so I had no time to work before and now I have a tenth of that. Um, so, and, and the client project, Android ported the client project, it, it needs to be wrapped up. So I can't keep them holding yeah. Uh, more than that, so pretty much the two and the and the quarter hours that I have, in in actual net amount of time that I could write code during the day, right. has to go towards the client project. Leaving and that's already done between midnight and two in the morning. You gotta you gotta get this kid organized because I, mean, <laughs> I, I have three kids and that is you know a times a trillion of one and so uh, <laughs> yeah I don't know how you guys do it we're still trying to figure it out we're still trying to figure it out maybe by the third we'll have some clues <laughs> to what we're doing you guys need to get a, get a nanny or something that comes to the house you know you guys can still be there we've done that like so Jamie can work and stuff you know get somebody to kind of help out another set of hands track the little guy down <laughs> We do, we're out of we're out of babysitters right now. Everybody's graduated, and so we're ba- we don't have any babysitters, and it's terrifying. <laughs> it's really horrible. We haven't and, had a babysitter yet. And you need, you need the young. You need like somebody young because like now that we have three, especially like with one, it's okay. But with three, like you know, our parents are getting older. Like you drop three kids on somebody, it like totally nukes <laughs> their house. You know what I mean? Like you can't you can't really do that. So it's uh, it's challenging, but. Yeah. So the, the the thing with uh um uh, so <laughs> I guess bootstrapping company prepares you for parenthood. <laughs> right. In, in terms of in terms of um you know how it works? It works this for for those of you who are not parents. It works like this. Um every couple of months uh, the kid changes up his strategy. Yeah. And it, it by the time you figure it out, he's a week into the the, the new ways of doing things. So then you figure shit out. But then by the time you adapt your uh, uh, daily routine to optimize that flow of his behavior, he's maybe two days away from changing the whole thing again. Right. <laughs> so That's every true. now and then he changes things up and you spend that whole time trying to adapt as to what his new needs and ways are. And because of that, you can't reach that flow of optimized daily routine that you you might have been used to before so when he turned one he switched into this new mode of of of, of what type of person he is so we're still kind of trying to adapt to that a month in and uh because of that uh you know i'm i'm literally working on 10 15 minute intervals of changing state 
So it's really hard to kind of sit down and write code in that type of context. So eventually, I'll I'll settle into a new pattern where I'm optimized for maybe you know actual five ten minutes of development time every fifteen twenty minutes. But then it's going to be two days away from him changing state again, and, and I'm going to have to restart uh, with a new pattern of behavior. So that's what parenthood is like for now, from my perspective. I mean, you you have insights that I don't have yet. Uh, not really. I mean, that's pretty much it. Like, you're just along for the ride for the most part. Like, um, yeah, they're, especially the boys. I mean, my daughter is only two months old or whatever here, so she still has the curveballs you have to throw. But, uh, yeah, the boys are they're, they're tough, especially once they get to, like, walking good and they can really get into serious trouble, then, then that's what they do. So <laughs> there's not really any way around it, I don't think. Um, I don't. I don't really have any answers. So after like seven years of raising boys, I'm. I still don't really know. They. Uh, they like to get ruckusy. It's sometimes good to wear them out a little bit. So like, uh, you know, do some like serious wrestling or other activities of that nature. Hmm. I know you were trying little gym or something like that. That was good. Yeah. We did little gym with the little when they were littler. So that that kind of works good. Although it's only usually once a week. So it doesn't really, you really got to get in there like every night and beat the heck out of them. And then <laughs> like they get tired and then that usually at least helps. I'm actually the little gym and the gymboree and places like that. Um, you know, the, the fees they charge are, I have the theory that it's mostly those activities that they have, the, the scheduled the predefined activities, you know, right. the, the instructor blows the whistle and now you're all running in circles and stuff right. like that. Um, those are there to kind of justify the fact that, you know, you have a fee and so they have to put in some sort of an organized activity set to justify the fee. But what, what, what I'm really looking for is more like an informal play date with like other adults in a neighborhood right. where I just want them to sit and I don't care if he's doing jumping jacks and twirls. I want him to, I want him to talk to other babies, and I want him to socialize and share and learn how to, you know, not poke them in the eye type of a thing. Yeah. And um, they don't really have those because everything, you know, they're not going to charge you two hundred bucks a season to to you know put babies in the room and have them sit. Yeah, right. yeah, they definitely so, don't do that. So what I want as a customer is, is something that doesn't exist as a business because. I guess the business doesn't feel right justifying just selling a space and a time. <laughs> well, I think that's called a park. You got to go to the park. You live in a, a populated, densely populated area. There's no, some, I don't. Parks. No? I live in I live in Levittown, suburbia, Long Island. There's a, you have to get lucky with the time of day that some family chooses to bring their kid out to a park. Mm. Well, yeah. you know, the upside of those other places is that I know uh, – one of Tyler's best friends who doesn't go to his school uh, either, actually, um, he met through, I think, Little Jam or one of these things. And uh, so, you know, you can actually make some acquaintances that way, which is kind of handy, when, you, especially with the first one where you're not hooked into schools and all the other stuff. So you usually don't have a lot of other people that you know that have, you know, one-year-old kids or whatever. So um, that's that can be good. But yeah, no, actually that place, Little Gym in particular, is kind of a ripoff because back in the day with Tyler, it actually was all right. Like the instructors were actually real instructors and they mm -hmm. did real things and engaged the kids. But now 
it's all just like a tape. So they just like push a button and then it just <laughs> yeah. plays like some voice. And it's a weird ass voice. Like it's some <laughs> guy out of a space movie. So like I went with Max like recently and like, I'm like who is this weird space guy that's like doing the little gym thing? Like it's so weird. And so then like the physical humans just there to like maintain law and order, but doesn't really actually even do much at this point. It's, it's very odd. I, I don't know. It's like you couldn't have like this person just like do these things with two year olds. Like you actually needed to optimize that. Yeah, with- optimizing costs. Yeah. You, you reminded me of the Simpsons episode where uh, they were lined up to, for lunch at a line in cafeteria in some place. And the, the, the lady serves like a slop of food and a plate. And the, the kid asks, What is this gruel? And the lady goes, No, this is imitation gruel. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, good. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. That's too much. All right. Uh, kids. Uh, well, I love, I love how we analyze the business of little gym. So we got that thing. I got to try out the Gymboree. The, the thing about the Gymboree that kills me, and this is this kind of has to do with uh, focus of business, I guess. But I don't know what they were first, whether they were a place like the little gym or whether they were a clothing store, but now right. they're both. <laughs> and it really bothers me that they're both. I've never been to one, so I haven't seen a Jimboree. That sounds terrifying, though. No, it's like if you if you Google Jimboree and they'll tell you, oh, there's one at a mall. But that's not right. really the one you want to go to because that's a clothing store, Jimboree. And they're the same exact company. They are except, the same company. Right. Except one sells clothing and the other is a place where you dump <laughs> your kid. So you don't know. And it kind of feels um, watered down, sort of, you know, like they're going to optimize selling your shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so here's here's the brand. Here's a startup uh, idea for those of you who are looking for startup ideas or whatever. <laughs> uh, make me a website. Make me make me a J date for one year olds. What about Meetup.com? Maybe Meetup's got something for you. Yeah, except if I'm gonna go to one of these places and I'm gonna say uh, we're a couple and we're looking for another couple to talk with, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not filtering those responses. So. <laughs> you need a dedicated solution. You need a dedicated saying. solution for a J date for one year olds. That's right. curated and, and background checked and all of that. I like it. That's not bad. People pay for that. You know, mothers and parents in general, new parents, like they pay for stuff like that. And that's a big yeah. industry. I just was yeah. reading Inc. or one of these things where it was like all births are down like 10% or something like the most in decades, but spending on children is up like three something percent billions of dollars. Hmm. So apps, apps and things in the children parent space is probably uh, actually not a bad idea. How, how much of all of that ink stuff is applicable to the daily life of a bootstrapped entrepreneur? Because it's, it's either uh so generalized as to be useless like oh these three awesome games are great for your kids and it's like angry birds right. and tetris and sims or something so it's either completely generalized recommendations that are totally useless or it's it's uh um what was my point <laughs> there was a complete opposite of that or or it's it's completely uh, like a like a trend that's beyond your reach. Like like it doesn't. It's not applicable to your business at all. Right. Um. So so none of those kind of 
five steps to making a more solid business Inc. magazine article ever seem to be applicable, even though they're kind of interesting to flip through when you're bored. But you never gotten I never gotten a piece of really solid, interesting, surprising advice from those types of business business publications. Yeah. I mean I don't think I've ever not that I can recall I've ever, ever like taken the magazine and been like, okay, I need to go sit down on my computer and implement or buy or whatever this thing <laughs> is that I found here. Cause it's like, yeah, I mean, I think it's like 90% entertainment just cause the business stuff is interesting to me. And, uh, I think it's not, it's not even 10% useful, but it's, you know, it's like 2% useful. It might be useful if I was more like thinking of businesses. Cause then like, Sometimes they have some interesting numbers and stuff. Maybe it could give you some ideas on like what what areas are you know hot or or have some potential. But yeah, I don't think there's a lot in there that's like really. I'm not even really sure who it's for because it's not for us. It's not for <laughs> VC people either. It's not really focused towards them either. It's not really focused that much on like build something big that makes no money. Like it's not really focused on that. So. I don't really know who it's for. I guess it's for like those nebulous, like small, medium-sized businesses that are just like out there that you know are kind of faceless. They do a lot of uh, business profiles. Like this yeah. lady had a great idea for a startup business, and now she's making her first ten thousand dollars a month out of it or whatever. But um, I remember reading one a while back. This was years ago. And I, it was so stupid that I still remember it to this day. It was some lady who started a business um, where she rented dogs for the weekend. <laughs> because uh, if you don't have a dog or if you live in a place that doesn't allow dogs and right. or you want to expose your kids to animals or something, she will rent this poor fucking dog. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a prostitute dog. <laughs> That has to be slept around. <laughs> it's like one step above like uh, a petting, traveling petting zoo that goes from <laughs> birthday party to birthday party with the poor sad-ass llama in there right. It's just all depressed and like Eeyore level of suicidal. Right. So this poor dog has to be slept around because this woman got an idiotic idea for a business. Netflix for animals. Yeah. Ugh. That's pretty wild. All right. Uh, um, where are we? What's we're going way off on? track here. Bring up a topic. Uh, all right. What about uh, Bacon Biz Conf? Because I just went to that. Oh, you went to that. Okay. All right. Go so ahead. I went to this conference, Bacon Biz Conf, filmed by Amy Hoy and uh, Alex. I don't know his last name, but his handle is Alex Knows HTML, um, his Twitter handle. So anyway, uh, and Amy is married to Thomas Fuchs. Uh, you know who did scriptaculous, scriptaculous. And, and all that zip zipato or zipato he does now so uh you know javascript guru and uh so yeah so they're kind of big in the bootstrapping world and writing articles and she does some different uh like training classes and things of that nature so they're trying to get i guess I mean, I assume there's going to be more than this one, kind of a series of conferences going eventually for people in the bootstrapping world. And uh, it was interesting. It was two days. I definitely met a ton of people who, you know, some of whom I've known for a long time just from the internets. And then also uh, just, you know, other people bootstrapping who uh, do 
you know, all sorts of different things. So a lot of really interesting conversations over just two days. Uh, I learned a ton of stuff. I mean, Patrick McKenzie was there, did a presentation. So, I, you know, I have like obviously a huge list of notes from him on optimizing your website conversions and things like that. So it's like a lot of practical stuff. Patrick McKenzie is everywhere. He has, yeah, he, really he, has he has spawn points at various points. <laughs> <laughs> shows up. Just no, I shows think up. That's the beauty of if you have like the successful SaaS business is that like you, uh, you can just fly around and do these things. And, and I mean, so many people, there's one guy, uh, a fellow from bidsketch.com, like, He's like, oh yeah, I work like an hour and a half a day. I'm like, an hour and a half a day? That's like, that's like, that's like what I work over lunch. Like, that's, that's, <laughs> I work an hour and a half and half an hour. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so uh, no, it's, it, but so much good information, and uh, I, I should write up some of it definitely at some point. If you search on Bacon Bizcom for the hashtag on Twitter, actually, I'm sure you'll find a lot of the specific points. But I mean, I don't want to like go through you know, very that kind of level of detail right here. But um, you gave a talk, right? Yeah, I gave a talk. What'd you talk about? It was just a lightning talk, just t- five minutes on uh, 10 minutes on Dribble, um, which is a site for designers to share things, a social network. And um, basically what we did is, so we obviously had focus lab design snappy and what the kind of very summary of this, it, this uh, presentation is just that, when they posted to Dribble, we asked them to also include a link to Snappy's landing page. And we asked them to dribble a lot. So to post a lot of images to dribble of their work in progress. So, and people are often scared to do this because you want to keep it a secret or you don't want people to see what your interface is going to be like or whatever, or show it one way, but it turns out another. Um, but I didn't, I don't know. I wasn't really concerned about any of that. So I just asked them to post as often as they felt comfortable and what, you know, what they wanted to do. And so they did. And through that, we basically, you know, built up a mailing list of about 4,500 people uh, Mm -hmm. to be, you know, in the beta in one form or another. So, uh, you know, so it worked out really well. Um, It's, it's also one of these things that's a really unique, it's kind of a total win-win because we got, you know, a lot of people involved in snappy and who know about snappy and they, you know, enhance their standing, um, in the dribble community and the design community in general by getting to show off their work since, mm-hmm. you know, so often designers get hired to do projects and they're not allowed to show off what they're doing. So they might be doing excellent work, but they're not allowed to show while it's in progress, almost never. And then also uh, even when it's done, oftentimes aren't really allowed to share a lot of it. So it was great to let them do that. <clears throat> and that's actually one of the, I think it's basically the top way they get customers at this point is through Dribble. So it's been really good for their business as well. Not, you know, I think us, us, we've helped them. Um, but also I think in general, they've been posting a lot of their projects to Dribble. And so just overall, it's, it's uh, been great for them as well. So it's really a win-win. And Use, uh, Using Dribble is one of those, um, <clears throat> uh, you, you zagging when everybody else is zigging. Ian Lensman insightful things that just works out great. Yeah, I, I hope so. You, you, <laughs> every time you do one of these, it's just, it's just, it's just, it should be written up and studied in business school. I think you know there was a people, people there definitely really liked the idea, and I think you know there's different levels of success it might have. So I think you know it's been success, it's been worth doing up until now, pretty much 
no matter what, because it's essentially free, right? Like we were paying them to design this no matter what. So any benefit out of it is a, is a two for one um, where we were getting something for nothing essentially. So, you know, and just having that many people use the beta is great. Um, and we found a lot of bugs and fixed a lot of things. So it's already paid off just in that way. Um, and then from here, it'll just be interesting to see like, you know, do you know a reasonable number of those people convert into paying customers um, even if they don't, can, you know, are we able to keep them on the mailing list and keep them engaged uh, on the mailing list and, you know, be able to maybe do other interesting things together with them in the future? So there's a lot of things to try. Uh, that was, you know, one of the big takeaways from Bacon BizConf certainly uh, is having a mailing list and leveraging that mailing list and, you know, because people who do a good job with their mailing lists are basically like printing money. So mm. that's something we're going to be working on a bit as well and got some good ideas for. So, yeah, but overall it's great. And you know what's interesting is it was a 50-person conference or so, and I talked to at least nine people, maybe <laughs> 10 people who listened to this podcast. So yeah. that was remarkable. I thought that was really pretty cool. If I'm ever asked to go give a talk at a conference i'm going to talk about how to keep a software company running for a decade with with no clues to what you're doing (laughs) (laughs) that that would be an interesting topic and and no plan of action ever Um, i know i think you know i really think and i could be way off but talking to people at bacon bizconf reinforced this idea to me that you know, that there's just so much more time to think about the business with a SaaS app and to formulate plans that you don't get with the more downloadable oriented apps, whether it's mobile or, you know, server-based apps like HelpSwap, because there's just so much support involved with those that like when you're small and you're bootstrapping and it's just you or you and even another person, there's just so much, you're just pulled in so many directions that, you know, a lot of this business stuff gets just pushed to the side and there's not a lot of time to really think things through as well as you would hope to. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out uh, as well. Yeah. I'm I'm also looking forward to the SaaS thing. The talk of the speech is how to release 79 apps have all but three fail and still call (laughs) yourself successful. That would be an excellent talk. (laughs) See, no, um, I wish you had had that. You should have come down there. They nobody were, invites me to talk because they're all afraid I'm going to depress the shit out of their audience. Listen, you don't get invited. <laughs> you just offer yourself up. They didn't invite ah. me. They said, does anybody want to do lightning talks? I said I'd do one. And they let me come down and do it. No, I have to be asked on my throne. Oh, on one, on one <laughs> knee. <laughs> I need a special invitation. You know when your mother tells you what? You need a special invitation to dinner? Yes. I would like to be especially invited. Uh, what's next on the list? Oh, we got a ton. I can, my, my eyes are crossing. There's like a million things here. Plus questions right, from Twitter people. From we're not Twitterers. covering any of that yet. We're not covering any of that because I heard a horrible rumor on Twitter and I'm hoping that, that you were just being funny. About what? But you said on Twitter that uh-huh. you have switched over to using Windows 7. from Me? Now I'm hoping that this is just, you know, you being funny. But I want so to switching, switching, switching is a. <clears throat> this is off topic. I'm starting off just just saying right off the bat. This is off topic to the point of the podcast. But okay, um, 
it, switching is a is a is kind of like a, a weird thing because it's not like I was using Mac exclusively. I always have. If you go to my my website, there's a recent screenshot of my rig. Um, there's there's like the computer in the center and the computer off to the side. So it was always like a Mac and Windows off to the side. Now it's just Windows and the Mac off to the side. So it's always both. So so you you can't pick and choose or wave flags or belong to any camps when you're a mobile developer because in the beginning uh, the the BlackBerry stuff was all Windows. I had to go on Windows and then I went to Mac um, because I kind of needed the Unix-y stuff because I'm a, at history, at core, I'm, I'm a Unix guy as far as, you know, which operating system I know like when it comes down to like multi-threading and, and, and forking and things like that. I know how the Unix kernel works. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure how the Windows ecosystem functions. So right. uh, I went off to the Mac world because I needed a terminal, basically. Um, so I worked on the Mac for a while, but then some tools weren't working that well earlier on, so I still needed the Windows machine, especially for testing and releasing BlackBerry stuff. And then, uh, the as I switched over to Android, there was uh, the support for testing on the Android devices through the USB through ADB on Windows was actually worse than it was on a Mac. So I went to Mac more full time because the tools started to get better. And then the iOS stuff, you need the Mac. Um, but I and so I was almost exclusively on a Mac for five six years. But as a um, as a daily use operating system, it was really annoying to me because of not not these not these grandiose things, but it's like a death by a thousand little cuts. For example, the mouse movement on the Mac is I think this is even documented. It's almost like moving through molasses. It's not it's not an acceleration algorithm that uh, a lot of people. See think that it is so uh, uh, the mouse acceleration curve is the algorithm by which when you move the mouse uh, the curve by which it arrives at the point where you move it to um, mm-hmm. those could be tweaked this isn't right. that, that's post movement I'm talking about pre-movement there's a delay a hesitation between when you move it's not noticeable unless you kind of pay attention to it over time and especially when you use the system the way I use it which is uh, I have one mouse and one keyboard synced up with this uh, open source thing, I think it's open source, it's called Synergy, which allows you to use one mouse and one keyboard across multiple op- multiple machines, multiple operating so systems. Sounds like that's the problem to me. No, it's not, because I, I actually did the test where I turned it off and I went straight directly to the machine. So so when you wind up using both systems, both systems uh, on a daily basis, you do notice that there's a slight delay in the way the mouse moves, starts off moving through the Mac desktop and the way it moves through the Linux or the, the Windows desktop. And I actually went through a bunch of these software, uh, third-party software tools. There's one called Smooth Mouse or something. And when you actually go to the docs as to why they started this project, the guy says that he contacted one of the uh, OSX engineers at one point to ask why the mouse is seemingly like slow, like it's moving through jelly compared to other operating systems. And the engineer at Apple did say that they have this thing that that needs to be fixed. And I, I, I'm not sure, but I think I read that it has to do with the fact of the way, um, like on Windows back in XP even, uh, uh, um, uh, when you move when you grab a window with a mouse and you drag it across the monitor really quickly, you have tearing. <clears throat> because Apple tries to be 
super cute, uh, they can't allow things of, that look like visual glitches. Because of that, there there's like an inherent latency built into the way the mouse operates on on a Mac. I'm, I might be talking out of my ass, but this is what I read I a long time. I think you're crazy. <laughs> so maybe because of that, the mouse is slower. But from what I understand from reading the docs on the the smooth mouse forums, is that they started this little hack. Uh, aftermarket third-party software to make the mouse faster because there's like this long-standing bug in OS X that they still haven't fixed that makes the mouse slower. So I tried that smooth mouse thing and it kind of made things faster. And I tried a bunch of others and it kind of made things faster. But they're like software algorithm uh, fixes on top of a core problem that still exists. And when I rebooted the machine, it kind of reverted back. So the mouse is noticeably it's one of those little annoyances that like it's like it's like it's like when you're driving a car and you don't have a good armrest on your right hand side or you have one of those inky dinky little thin ones and you're driving for four hours it's not a big thing when you're buying a car but holy shit is it annoying when you use it for a long period of time so it's one of those things that when you know that that it could be better it annoys the hell out of you that the mouse is that is that weird the other one was window management. Uh, Finder blows. It's just terrible. Yeah, fine. Um, and and uh, I, I'm, I tried living with it for years. It's not like I used the Mac for a week and said, fuck it, I'm going back right. to Windows. I mean, I've been on this thing for half a decade. And Finder is just much, much – I'm much faster having this Windows Explorer thing open with like a huge-ass tree. Yes, it could be ugly or whatever, but I'm just quicker when I need to – manage files and I need to manage files a lot I need to go to one directory do something with this file copy it over to another directory it will literally take me three times longer in Finder than it would with an open in Windows Explorer somewhere did you ever try like Pathfinder or one of those I tried uh, those yeah but the thing is that everything like um, what is that thing when you do um, uh, the search Spotlight or like Alpha. Spotlight Spotlight is very much integrated with Finder, and like everything is really integrated with Finder in the Mac. So all of those third-party things, you you have them open, and you almost have to consciously go into that one and use it for file management instead of like the built-in one, which tries to surface every time you need to do something naturally. So you could try. Uh, have you tried Alfred? I mean, I mostly use Alfred actually. No, I haven't. Alfred's pretty good. So but that's two. I've never seen this mouse thing. I I, I think it's something you've been, with you, your particular you, computer. Uh, I, I mean, know. I've had Macs for over 10 years. I've used them every day for 10 years. I've never seen this. Well, I use Windows and Mac at the same time, and I have for years and years. So I, I've noticed it. Um, Maybe lately. you need a new computer. Don't you, your, your Mac's kind of older, right? Maybe it's just not. You know, No, you, it's, a brand new Mac, it's a brand new MacBook Air. And I, I actually just started noticing it after I got the MacBook Air. Well, maybe the so, Air is the problem. You need maybe something more heft. You're trying to do too much with that little Air. You've got to get a real man's computer there. Okay, so let's go in there. What the hell are my options now in the Apple ecosystem if they're no longer supporting proper desktop towers that I could overload with 32 gigs of RAM? What the hell am I supposed to do work off of? The MacBook Air? The, the Minis or the MacBook Pros or the fucking iMacs, which is just pathetic? I do everything on Retina MacBook Pro. I'm not spending three grand on a machine again. Well, if you got a desktop tower, it'd be three grand, more than three grand for a Mac tower. But I'm not getting a Mac tower. They're not supporting the damn things. They couldn't care less about them. Uh, they're going to come out with a new one. <laughs> they're going to come out with a new one. So if they come out with a new one, that's totally awesome. Are you going to get that? We'll see. You'll consider c- c- considering that I just put together a machine uh, with like parts for like four hundred dollars that well, like, yeah, beats the crap out of it. 
um, so by the way, I highly recommend it to put together your own machine. It's like it's not the way it was in like '95. You could, if you could put together a Lego set, you could put down a machine. <laughs> I do kind of miss that aspect of computers because in the Apple world, that's you know, there's no real, you can't really do any of that stuff. So I do kind of miss that. Uh, you know, when I was like 10 years old, looking through computer shopper and picking out parts and all that stuff. Yeah, and there's websites now that you could go to and you could configure a machine by saying, all right, I like this part. Now show me all the parts that are compatible with this motherboard type of thing. Right. So you no longer have to worry about whether, you know, this card will fit into this motherboard or whatever. It's They've taken really all the fun nice. out of it. Yeah, I'll link to the website. No, I'll link to the website in the uh, show notes for that site that lets you pick parts and see what's compatible and what isn't. Yeah. Um, there, there's other things. Uh, my DOS keyboard, all the keys are all mangled and needed to be remapped, and I never That's really true. got used to it. And um, um, I think I, I think converted you to Mac, didn't I? You did back in the day, yeah. Oh, man, so, I've lost one. I've never lost anybody before. I'm going to take this as a personal challenge. The thing is that I never used Windows 7. I was off of Vista, and I kind of put together this computer. I put Windows 7 on it, and I kind of like it. It's it, I'm definitely faster. It's not because of the mouse. I think it's more because of the window management that sucks on the Mac. Mm. That's much easier on Windows. And I think because of the Windows management, I'm actually much faster on uh I mean, it's the Laravel runs, PHP runs. I have yeah, Apache yeah. on my Windows. There's like no difference at all except for uh, flag waving. <laughs> That's and, all uh, the fun. Yeah. Somebody on Twitter said, right, we were talking about turning this into a uh, Apple podcast. We can't turn it into an Apple podcast if you're on Windows. You know what, you know what the extreme flag waving gets you? It, it makes you into Richard Stallman. That's what you oh, become. I don't know if it takes you that far. You think it goes all <laughs> that's the way a, that, that's the that's the inevitable conclusion to <laughs> to belonging to a camp is you have to run your own fucking bootloader because you don't believe that the, the one that comes with the computer that most people don't even exist is not completely free. That might that might be a little bit of an example. <laughs> you might have got off the deep end there. You become oh, you become Karl Marx and you let three of your children starve because you don't believe in going to work for the for the government or for the the big corporations. Um, uh, well, why don't we pick? Let's, unless you have something else on this, why don't we pick a couple of questions and we'll wrap up with that? Well, how how long are we running on for? I'm like raving and ranting. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, we're right, still under an hour, hour so okay. we're we're okay. Somebody invite me to go talk at your conference. I'll make an ass out of myself. And, hey, um, I can make that happen for you. Are you serious? <laughs> I know somebody's throwing a conference. I'm sure I could get you in there. I don't have any topics. I'm seriously just going to depress the fuck out of the audience. That could be your shtick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get you in this conference now. now it's I'm going gonna, gonna to make sure I follow, um, I follow um, Patrick McKenzie. And I'm going to say, just as useful as he was, that's how useless I'm going to be in my presentation. <laughs> you could be bookends. I'll be the bookend, yeah. All right. So one thing that I've been working on for the past week amongst going to conferences, and actually, I didn't even tell you about this. I don't think I, w I went to the beach for exactly one day. After the conference, I went from Philadelphia to Poughkeepsie, New York, to Long Beach Island, New Jersey. Whoa. That was crazy. But, and then we stayed there for 18 hours, and then we went back to Poughkeepsie. So, that was, so for people who aren't familiar with the geography, that's like seven hours of driving that Saturday and then another four the very next day around 2 o'clock when we left. Um, that must but, have been some beach. It's a nice beach. Uh, you know, they've actually, they actually got 
mostly destroyed um, during <laughs> during the hurricane. Like That's terrible. the beach, the town, the whole thing, and like this is a place we go fairly often in the summer. And uh, they've actually like totally had it cleaned up. It was amazing. I mean, there was some houses still being rebuilt and stuff, but like the beach wasn't as big as it was like deep, but I mean, it was still fine. And uh, you know, there was no garbage or piles of broken stuff anywhere. I mean, they've actually got it all restored. So that was in beach Haven, New Jersey. And it is a, is a nice place for families there. But um, so, yeah, but just a, just a day of listening to the ocean the night before get our feet in the water a little bit and, uh, a little relaxation before the storm, if you will. So, but what made you what it. made you choose? There's like a million beaches between Poughkeepsie and Beach Haven, New Jersey, isn't there? There, there is kind of. But here's the thing: so, if you go on a weekend, um, you know anything north of there basically is just like a bajillion people from New York City who just made <laughs> it. Yeah. So you kind of have to go far enough south where between local New Jersey people and New York City people, it's not just like you laying on a towel with 4,000 people lined <laughs> up right next to you in any direction. Mm-hmm. So uh, Long Beach, and I don't like to, those, those the more northern beaches are like have boardwalks. So they're a little more like cheesy commercial kind of thing. Whereas Long Beach Islands, there's no boardwalk. It's just a nice beach. It's much more relaxing. You're not packed in there like a sardine. So it's worth the extra hour on the road to to go there um, most of the time. So there's not as much traffic. Like when you branch off uh, the Garden State Parkway to go to one of those other beaches, I mean, you'll spend four hours just on the access road to the beach because there's just like so many people trying to get in and out. So we just go farther south and uh, and that, that works out good. So yeah, but so, so we did that. Um, so that was crazy running around. But it was good to just get away for half a day, basically, and uh, hear the ocean. And then, um, and then yeah, so had the release, right? right. So at the release, so what I've been working on the week up to the release was implementing metrics. Uh, so one of the obviously kind of nice things is that you can track, you know, you can track conversions on uh, the other website as well, you know, on any website, but. Um, I wanted to be more formal about that, about tracking the funnels and about also, you know, when people actually go into the app, when they actually start using the app for real so that we can see some actual like conversion data and figure out what's working and what's not working and how we can optimize things and all that. So um, I've been spending some time primarily with Mixpanel and Kissmetrics. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're inter- they're really fairly complicated to set up so because you end up like they want you to only use the javascript version because it's the simplest you just drop the javascript in and there's a simple calls to track events so you can say oh view to page oh click this button oh you know signed up and Mm -hmm. but the but the reality is that like a lot of stuff in a modern app happens only on the server and so it's not so easy to to integrate it, you end up using the you know the PHP library plus the JavaScript library, and making that all kind of work. They don't necessarily do a great job of explaining how it works. Uh, my biggest problem is that no system currently, and this is something I want somebody to build. And if I wasn't so busy, I would absolutely build this myself. Which is one of these metric a metrics tracking tool that understands what a multi-user application is. Because all of these are designed for 
you are a consumer and you go to a website and you buy something for yourself and you use the app for yourself mm-hmm. and they aren't designed for your guy, you know, a person, uh, you go to a website, you find a product, you buy the product and then your whole team uses the product with you mm-hmm. and the team is doing different things. And, and many times the person who finds the product may not be the one who buys it or the person who buys it may not be the person who uses it. So there's all these different factors that, all these just totally punt on and don't use at all. And you end up with big trade-offs of if I treat a person quote unquote as an account, which is what I ended up doing, there's trade-offs because you don't really then know about individual people. You only know about accounts, um, which is still better than the alternative, which is you only know about individual people and you don't know anything about accounts or at least not much about them. And it's hard to pull out meaningful data for an account based application like that so um so that's tricky in the end i think we're gonna go with kiss metrics although their salespeople are kind of annoying me but uh <laughs> mostly it's a, definitely a high lock-in product so once you have it working it's a real pain to kind of switch it out because they each have their little idiosyncrasies of how things work so we'll probably stick with kiss metrics uh, but so far i mean it has already been interesting in terms of some different data. And obviously after today, I'll have actual real data of people just coming to the homepage, uh, you know, and signing up and going from there. So that will be very interesting, hopefully. I've used Mixpanel uh, a couple of years ago. Well, I think they were still in beta or just came out of beta. It was, it was a stage where they were offering a significant uh, use of it for free, mm. um, up to a certain number of uh, pings or whatever. Right. Um, I I liked it. I didn't use the JavaScript. I used the server side PHP. I wrapped it with my own calls. So it was just this event fires, this event fires type of a thing. Right. Right. Um, and I, I, from what I remember, they have a, a way of you to just send arbitrary values over on on which to um, pivot. So you you could you could do a hash of a of an account and then you could do a hash of a of a user and then you could send both of those values up and then when you're looking at the reports you could pivot on those two values across some thing that you're tracking and you could certainly segment that and, and view it every which way you want. Uh, so be, I really liked it. They actually. do have that, um, but. There was something where I, some of the reports didn't seem to work right. It could be, you know, hey, it could be that I'm totally wrong. And uh, if you just do, if you just send in the additional properties, um, that mm-hmm. you can make it do what you want. So maybe, maybe I am incorrect. I mean, but I know you I- do that, and I tried that, and it didn't seem to work the way I thought it would. But also, the interfaces are a little bit funky, so it might just be that I I'm not knowledgeable enough uh, in them yet. To but know. I also never used it with a single page JavaScript app. You guys have complexities that you know that well, that's I true didn't too. have. That, that is, there are some complexities with that. All right, so, so let us know how the Kiss Metrics things turned out. I'll probably start off with Mixpanel actually for Uberdeck, just because I've worked with it before and I have no comparison points to force me to switch to anything else right from the start. They do have what I did like about Mixpanel is they had some cool stuff with uh, now if you want to do basically like follow-up emails. Um, so, you know, from the point the person signs up, you then want to send them something two days later and five mm-hmm. days later and 40 days later. Um, then you, that's all built into it. Uh, so that's kind of handy. 
Um, Alvin from uh, Collectors.com is very big on that. He said it was significant uh, leverage to his revenue when he does these sort of uh, – he calls them autoresponder, but I, I have an app called autoresponder that does nothing of the sort. <laughs> it, it's completely different functionality. But I guess he's on uh, – I forgot what, what – he, he doesn't use – he uses one of these really expensive uh, – um, alternatives to campaign monitor I forgot what it's called but they run like a whole drip thing for him that sends out based on certain variables uh, campaigns to certain segmentations of people like his stuff runs like a machine yeah so, that, that's very- I, yeah I want to get into at least some basic follow-up emails and then you know from there maybe try uh yeah try some different things cool all right what else is going on? All right. We should do at least one of these questions. Pick a question. We got so many questions. Now we, we're going to have a whole tw- show for questions. Question. Yeah, Twitter, Twitter, Twitter question. question. All right. We got questions from Mike Jones. We got questions from Neil O'Brien again, I think. Oh, he just wanted us to talk about Laurel 4. We did. So there you go. Um, we got questions from Ryan uh, Tablada. Tablada? Tablada. Tablada. Um, sorry, I butchered your name, Ryan. Uh, Hazel well, Carrick. Um, I don't know. Um, 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 uh, blah 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 blah. Uh, any suggestions for? I'm just gonna go from the start. Any suggestions for writing a book, tutorial, or screencast? I haven't done. Oh, okay, I wrote a book, but I don't recommend anybody write a book. Uh, I've never written a screencast. Or a tutorial. Well, I mean, I've written ad copy and yeah. manuals, but it's not the same, I think. Um, I don't know. Go look at what Amy Hoy is doing. She's big on the screencast stuff. She does good stuff with that. Yeah, I would say like there was a lot about that stuff at Bacon Biz because there's definitely people doing really well with that, like self-publishing and stuff. I mean, I'm not in any way expert on it, but uh, there's a book out. The guy was there giving a talk. The guy's name is Nathan Barry, and his book is called Authority. I believe. And um, it's basically just about how to like set up a mailing list and, you know, write about a topic and create an info product as apparently they're called in that world. And, uh, and, you know, basically Ugh. sell it. So yeah, Ugh. everybody, everybody hates that name. Ugh. Info <laughs> that name product. It's, really, it's, it's like, like it's like lifestyle TV. business. Right. Exactly. Ugh. So that's horrible. I guess, oh, Patrick McKenzie said he calls them, um, Prepackaged consulting, uh, which you know is kind of a mouthful, although is somewhat nicer. But anyway, so I would check that out. That would, that's all I know about it, and it looked really good. And what they were talking about, they, everybody seemed to really know what they're they're doing and uh, doing really well with it. So I think it's it's an interesting topic. We had a couple guys in the Laravel community who wrote what I call eBooks um, around mm-hmm. Laravel around Laravel 4, and I know they've both done really well. I mean, I think they've sold probably at this point over $20,000 worth of books, and it's nice when you just make almost all the profit yourself instead of, you know, uh, you know, sharing it with the publisher and everything. There was one presentation at the conference where a lady who does cookbook publishing, and she was already a published, you know, author with these cookbooks. Like, I guess she's done four or five of them. 
and but she only gets a dollar a book. So she sold 150,000 books and she's made $150,000 <laughs> over like four years or something. And meanwhile, like her publisher, it sounds like a small publisher has made like a boatload of money. He bought like a second house. <laughs> so, you know, he's making all the money. And uh, so she said, so now she started, she actually, it's kind of interesting. She, I don't know if she's written actually a full ebook, but what she's done is she's made a subscription business out of meal plans. So like every week she'll send you like meal plans based on her cookbooks. Mm-hmm. And so with that, she's already made like whatever, hundreds of thousands of dollars or whatever, because she had all these people who love her cookbooks. So she had a big base of people who know her. Um, but, you know, she can keep all the money instead of uh, giving it to middlemen and things. So, man, I love those quirky sassified things. Like there's a yeah. company that will send you there's a company that will send you underwear on a monthly basis and <laughs> and socks and ties. And I just heard about another one that will send you a, a toothbrush every month. Oh, my God. The physical world meets. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, you know, because men men don't go out and buy socks and underwear and shirts, so this company will send you a package of three underwears, uh, three socks pairs, and three shirts every month or something like that. I don't know. There's something That's... cute about that. That is good. Cool. I'm going to have to check that. I'm going to have to find that link. I can use um, because <laughs> the trip to the trip to Target is just too much. Yeah, it's killing me. Oh my god, my my UPS man, it's ridiculous. He's like. This is, a, this is a funny – since this like show is all like anecdotes and random personal stories, <laughs> um, uh, the, uh, the UPS man who delivers to our house also delivers to my mother-in-law's job. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was here the other night and so he – and you know she answered the door while he was knocking and so he knows you know we're all connected. Mm-hmm. And – then I guess that worked the next day. He was he was telling her that we're like his best customers and we keep him in a job because like he delivers boxes <laughs> to us like every day. And it's so like I don't know, with now especially with the three kids, like we just order everything on Amazon. That's we do it. the same like, thing. Yeah. We don't go to the store. Like if I we literally order everything on Amazon. Anything and everything. We order on Amazon and that's it. And it's like just so wonderful and convenient and uh I don't know. We do too, but we we don't do Amazon anymore because Vicky has a vendetta against Amazon. Against Amazon? Oh my god! She she because we when we used to live in Brooklyn, we used to get uh, even at the slowest uh, ordered delivery time, like free delivery. We used to get Mm -hmm. stuff in two days because I guess they have a warehouse nearby or something. Now in Long Island, uh, it's literally taking a month to get uh, anything. Are you a and prime member? You got to be no, prime. No, we're, we're not prime. Got to be prime. prime. Oh, no, I'm not it's paying $70. to pay. <laughs> it's uh, I'm going to buy whatever. You. You're not buying me anything. I don't want I don't want to oh, feed prime. I don't want to feed the man. Prime uh, is the best <laughs> ever. The prime so, is my favorite product maybe of all time. Prime is the best thing ever. It's cheap. You know what my favorite spending money is? Uh my my favorite feel of, of value is the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel. Because the because <laughs> the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel is like four bucks or whatever it was last time I used it, and it saves you literally an hour and a half of sending the traffic, <laughs> and it's just fantastic. Just to feel, and nobody takes it up. Nobody, really? it, it is, I don't know because like the people I guess who who have to do do this on a daily basis that adds up. 
So they just rather get into the habit of not using it at all. So they will sit there and waste away in that traffic. There's always traffic there because like one way to get from Brooklyn to Manhattan and it's always congested. And the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel is like the only kind of sort of alternative. And it saves an hour and a half and it costs like <laughs> – it costs enough for – there to be no people there to save you an That's hour crazy. and a half. I mean, you're going to spend $10 in gas. <laughs> in New York City, you can't even get gas. Like, if you need gas, like you, you got to know where, like, the four gas stations are. It's like, I mean, Brooklyn's probably better than Manhattan, but. Yeah. Brooklyn is easier with gas stuff. But, um, so, anyway, I wrote a book in 2007, and I self-published it through Lulu.com because Lulu.com was the only place you could self-publish a book with any right. sort of self-respectability uh, in 2007. And um, I, 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 I did everything myself, and I did the, the, the layout myself, and I did the, the writing of the book myself, and I did the PDFing myself, and everything is an indexing and everything I did myself. And then I uploaded everything to Lulu.com. Com, and I paid them 90-something dollars, and they submitted it to Amazon for me. And to this day, I get checks for $7.13 every three or four months. Right. I think – and then I also sold it for like it's for like a dollar on the iOS platform. Maybe you need to relaunch that, baby, because I, mean, no. I don't think anybody even does it on Amazon now. I think it's just like you no. direct download PDF and – I mean, some of these guys are doing are doing all right. When it first launched, the first three months or so of it, I was selling it as a PDF for thirty bucks. I think, I think overall it made. You know, I'm I'm pulling these numbers out of my ass, but I, I, I think somewhere in the ballpark of five six thousand dollars over the course of its lifetime. And I really wrote it as a catharsis point, and I'm actually slightly embarrassed about it because it's one more uh, data point in in the the pattern that is the, the George Costanzaness of my life. <laughs> in, in that, uh, in that, some people might use this as to say, "Oh, Andre is an author," and even if I'm blind drunk, I could maybe convince myself that I've published a book. But in reality, I wrote a Microsoft Word document, and I paid somebody ninety dollars to put it up on Amazon. And <laughs> oh, it's it's it. and this is classic George Costanza, right? This is <laughs> this is classic fakery fakery of life just to be able to say you did something. So, so that's my book experience. So, they, I wouldn't recommend writing a book, but apparently now people are, are, especially people who are writing these very short-lived, highly focused, almost very expressive tutorials on, on technologies as eBooks. I think they make a bunch of money, but it's very, it's not a very long tail type of a thing. I think that there is an obvious follow-up to Wall Street Programmer, which is. Life as a mobile developer. Uh, we need it. We must have this book. You got to start putting some notes together. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. No, Mo- mobile never sleeps. Isn't That's it enough? Time. Isn't it enough that I complain all day on Twitter about <laughs> these? I got another extortion customer yesterday. I saw you tweet something. I figured you must have got riled up by something. Add, <laughs> add this ridiculously long to implement feature to nightstand or else I will write a negative review. <laughs> and crazy. more and more people are doing this. More and more, these self-entitled, just put in your own expletive, sure. are, are now using their their newfound power of the neg- negative review to send like these extortion emails to developers uh, as if we're like rolling in dough. 
off of their yeah, 99 right. cent things. Anyway. That's crazy. That's crazy. Um, yeah, no, I'm not writing a follow-up to Wall Street Programmer, <laughs> mobile developer. It's like Come from... On. Look, look Look! at Butov. He left Wall Street and he wrote how much he hates it. Look at him now. Ha, ha, ha. That's why it's going to be awesome. It's like you'll have the follow-up. It's like it's going to be all in line. And then you got to do it now before Uber Deck takes off and then you won't be as – You know you what? Know, to, everybody who listens, to everybody who listens to this podcast or to my, the, the other podcast with Gavin, if there's anything to be learned from all this bitching and complaining that I do is that even though I'm bitching and complaining – and and people are passing you by in the success ladder and some people are falling to the wayside and not being successful I, with all of that i'm still able to be independent since 2005 and i never had to go back to work and i could support a family and i own a house and I have a child and nobody's starving so there you go and so, i think it's well that's all true and <laughs> And I think it's uh, patently obvious that you are not capable of working with other humans at the end. <laughs> so, it's a good thing that that's the case. And I don't know what you'd do. Well, yeah. well we're going to have to ask Carl because I'm technically working for him. Ah, that doesn't count. That's not the same thing. <laughs> All right. Um, I think we've got to end right there. Yeah. We, uh, sorry, guys, that if we didn't get to uh, – we didn't get to a ton of stuff. But we'll, we'll get around to it eventually. I promise. Well, doing a show a week, we need a lot of content. So it's good that we have a little bit of a backlog. We don't want to be scratching for uh, topics every week. So it's good. Yeah. All right. Uh, all the episodes are up on bootstrapped.fm. I think we're still on iTunes. We are. We're, we're, we got enough ratings now that we have we're our ratings show. And we're five, you know, we're four, five star, whatever the most stars are. We got Are them. we? So, I yeah, haven't so, even looked. So oh, keep good. rating us. I just looked at the other day while I was traveling. So awesome! Ra- Thanks, rate guys. us on iTunes. Yes, thank you so much. Um, so all the episodes are on iTunes, uh, Bootstrap.fm, and our Twitter handles are on the Bootstrap.fm to send us um, whatever you want to send us. And uh, we'll be back again next week, right? Yeah, absolutely. Great. We're we're back on schedule now. Thanks for listening, guys. All right, bye. Thanks. Bye.